Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John. And welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which yeah. we'll challenge one another to discuss movies both new and old with a strictly positive critical eye. I just scared that's... my co-host Jeff with my voice. Yeah, that's right. What a <laughs> booming voice. You came in talking so quiet before the podcast rolled, and then all of a sudden you're a showtime performer, people. Okay. Oh, he's ready. Uh, we're Positive Film Podcast. Anytime we say anything negative about a film, you're going to hear the sounds. That that means we have to drink. We're bending the rules a little bit because I might have COVID and Dave might have COVID or something else. We definitely have something. So we might be drinking seltzer. I had like the sport of Satan trying to wrestle out of my chest or something at the moment. So yeah. We'll we'll just say anytime you hear that sound, Dave and I might have to pee in the middle of the night from drinking so much seltzer. You know what? You know what? I've I've, I've got, uh, I've got, uh, well, I thought I can't drink beer. So I've got this like glass here with just a little touch of whiskey. This is for Omicron. Very opaque. Yeah, thanks. This is for Omicron whatever fucking bug dave has right we're not even sure what the fuck he's got but fuck that shit fuck those things omicron take a drink and sit down you bitch we're trying to hit our uh, f-bomb quota early here in the podcast uh dave why don't you bring us home here (laughs) well i would say pour yourselves a glass and put on your tinfoil hats and uh and i'm speaking directly to my auntie deb in australia when i say put on your tinfoil hat because she loves a good conspiracy oh good yeah 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 let's uh (laughs) Let's let's talk about. All right, we're going to talk about Don't Look Up, people. This Don't is the Adam, McKay, yeah. Ad, the Adam McKay movie that came out around Christmas Day. Was it on Christmas? It might have been on Christmas Day. Only on Netflix. I believe it's Leonardo DiCaprio's first straight to streaming movie. Not that it matters. It's probably true for other people as well in this ridiculous cast. Um, Adam McKay, you probably know. Um, Worked with Will Ferrell on comedies like Anchorman. Uh, and of course, he won an Oscar for writing The Big Short. He also did Vice recently. And he did this movie, calling it a trilogy in the same vein as those two movies. We'll see if he can hang on to it. The cast is ridiculous. You got Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Kate Blanchett, uh, Jonah Hill, Mark Rylance, Tyler Perry, Timothy Chalamet, Ron Perlman, Ariana Grande, Kid Cudi, Himish Patel, etc., etc. We're going to talk about it. Mm. We're going to try to keep it's, it positive. It has, it has one of those large, famous ensemble casts that usually you think the movie's going to suck. Because they've like overbalanced with the stars to try and bring people in. Yeah, the real, the yeah. real, the real winner on this film, as always, is the scheduler. Whoever was able to schedule them all, <laughs> oh my God. and the assistant director and the yeah, the line producer. Hello, give it yeah. up. Working with all their assistants and everything. Anyway, we're going to talk about it in a second. And just as a reminder, if you've not listened to our podcast, we try to keep it spoiler free for about five to ten minutes or so, so you can get our initial takes. You can see whether or not we liked it. Would we recommend it? If you're interested in possibly seeing it and you have not seen the film and you don't want to spoil if it's even possible to spoil this movie, I think it's pretty, you think you know what's going to happen. Well, you, you but, can, you can spoil it. There is a way to spoil it. All right. Well, we'll get to that in one second, people, but first we got to shout our people out. John, take it away. We have a beer sponsor and his name is Carlos Barozo. He has a new handle on Instagram. If you've listened to the past few episodes, you've heard it. It is still C Barozo, but now it's C Barozo dot beer. That's C B A R R O Z O B A R dot B E E R. Get on over there. Come on, follow that guy. He's got a lot of cool info on there. The man is a beer master. He's not just a beer maker. Fun videos, fun info. Follow that man. Give him some likes. Give him some loves. And as always, the music you hear on this episode and every single episode is provided by the artist Dasein. That's Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. If you're digging the music, head on over to soundcloud.com forward slash Dasein dash artist and you can download all that music for free. That's right, folks. My co-hosts are sick. God, look at these guys. Like, oh yeah. You guys okay? Are you feeling all right? Whatever you Oh, <laughs> oh my god. Jeff, put all your right, mask on. All right. <laughs> we are um we could not be more excited to talk about this because last week, let's just acknowledge it, you guys. We took a we took a week off. Jeff took a couple weeks off. We're glad we missed him on the Spider-Man app, but now he's back. We took last week off, which would have been our Matrix Resurrections episode. So if you're a big fan, Feel free to uh, write in and make us watch that because I don't think any of us have seen it yet. Uh, I have, I have seen Dave's it. And, uh, saw it. That's, saw it. Yeah, that's that's pretty much why we pulled the episode because it was for safety. Oh, no man. one should be that drunk. Well, no one should be <laughs> that drunk. I mean, I have heard, I have heard tell. I'm not going to say anything negative until I watch it, but uh, yeah. So maybe we will watch that if anyone wants to uh, really try to pump us up and talk about it. I'm sure it'll come up tonight as we are all three of us are about to co-host on the Matt and Mark movie show. 
That's right, folks. We are going to be really toasty on that one because we're going to talk about this movie, drink about this movie, and then go right onto their show and probably just keep <laughs> doing the same shit. So follow that no if idea you what's haven't about given to them, them a follow yet. Um, yeah, you guys, let's let's set it up. Let's keep going. Adam McKay, what we were just basically gently setting this movie up. But uh, yeah. for anyone who hasn't seen this on Netflix yet, Jeff, why don't you go with the blurb? Why don't you tell All us right. what the little plot sum is? This is what it's the plot sum. Holy shit. Okay. There is a different intro that we're used to here on the, I the feel okay. plums. Oh, nice. Good, dude. Tell, yeah. That's what is that? Um Eastbound. Uh, uh, Eastbound, yeah. Oh my god. Feel down on my pups. No, let the boy watch. The boy must learn. A two for one plum special. <laughs> <laughs> so stu- okay sorry it's so right, stupid right, all right, 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 right. okay so the short blur before don't look up written and directed by adam mckay he has a story credit from one of his friends two low-level astronomers leonardo dicaprio and jennifer lawrence must go on a j- Dave, fuck, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to show up in the recording. I muted the microphone. You just got it. I'm going to buzz you guys oh, every time you cough. Shit, oh, I forgot Dave has that. Dave's, oh. so, Dave's so good with this technology, you didn't even notice that he coughed. Okay. Oh, my God. I still buzz Sorry, you, folks. That was for the from now on. From now on, I'll ignore the, the coughs. Okay. Two low-level astronomers, Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence, must go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy planet earth so we are going to start with our initial reactions john you said recently in confidence to us secretly that you thought this was the perfect new year's eve movie you saw this on new year's eve december 31st 2021 Mm -hmm. some people had a good 2021 year earth did not (laughs) so you said this is a really good new year's eve movie for 2021 going into 2022 would you like to go first in our initial takeaway absolutely i i i stand by it um, I think Dave echoed or, or liked it when I texted you guys that because this was so cathartic. Um, the best thing about this kind of story, too, is that, you know, Roland Emmerich, uh, maker of Independence Day, uh, Meteor Storm, Day After Tomorrow, he's got a new The Moon movie with Patrick Wilson that's coming out soon. So we have, you know, we have seen some really fun end of days movies. Uh, you can have fun with those movies. But Adam McKay made a dramedy about it. Like it's a very different tone than the kinds of apocalypse movies we're used to seeing. And I got to listen. There's a wonderful, I'll shout this out. Barry Jenkins interviewed uh, Adam McKay on the DGA, the director's guild of America podcast. It's a pretty sweet interview. If you want to listen to that. Um, and you can just tell that Adam was at uh, like so many of us was at his wits end by the end of the, uh, the past era of leadership in this country. So they technically were scouting locations for this film right at the beginning of 2020 or uh, 20 yeah 2020 so like they were just about to get going on this thing but here comes COVID-19 they basically put the movie away for like several months at the beginning of quarantine and it didn't it, it basically gave him even more fuel to the fire but he was already in the mental place of look for the past 5 10 15 30 years however you sit politically it doesn't really matter we have been in an absurd satire in this society we've just been living in one already and i think he gave us permission to finally feel upset absurd and to laugh at it it all in one i think this movie really does give you some some levity where there needs to be levity it's it's definitely a full package it really is i've i've never seen a movie that felt like this there are sci-fi elements to this um so we're going to get into all the performances the story is what you think it is it's just extremely well told and fleshed out in an almost frightening way how how possibly mm. accurate it could be but uh, ultimately i'm jealous of adam mckay family and friends have already heard me say this so sorry sorry to repeat folks and i'm sure everyone is already thinking this but god damn it i am jealous this man got to make this movie i can't imagine how cathartic it felt to make this movie you feel like the world is just going up in fucking flames around you and no one knows what up from down right from left all the bullshit and yet he's like fuck it i'm gonna blow the whole world up i'm just gonna and we're gonna be laughing about it because we all kind of know that it would it would likely come to this and there's nothing we can do about it and it's truly absurd so yeah i'm a big fan of it if you haven't seen it yet it's on netflix i promise you you can sit down and watch this movie by yourself or with a group your family and you'll probably all find some enjoyment in it. I don't even think you need to sit on the left to, to, to laugh at the absurdity of this. 
Adam McKay definitely has a lot of political views, but I think you could probably still laugh and enjoy this no matter where you sit with your ideology. So I definitely recommend giving it a shot. Dave, what do <laughs> you think, dude? Um, I, I mean, I, a lot of people are calling this very divisive. And I think it's divisive because of the the political overtones. They do take some political shots and stuff like that. The thing I love the most about this, though, is that n- almost no one is playing this for comedy. Like yeah. everyone is playing it as a as a particular character, and not all of them are funny. So you're getting just that little bit of like heartfelt performance from some fucking phenomenal actors, but then you're also getting other people who are, you know, a little bit. There's a little bit of comedy. I mean, Jonah Hill obviously is throwing it in there. Um, but yeah, I actually, I really, really enjoyed this because they, they walk you down the path and even like notable climate scientists have come out and said that this is exactly what it's like trying to deal with the government. And that's the parallel that everyone's taking offense to. It's like, well, you know, they're like, they're they're paralleling it to the, to the climate debate. And it's like, yeah, it is. It's it's (laughs) an exact allegory for the climate debate. It's, it doesn't pull punches either. And it basically points out how stupid humanity is being right now. But in an entertainment way, we are living out an extinction level event, aren't we? And all, yeah. And and all I can say is rich people and their followers are mad as hell about it. (laughs) We're mad as hell. Then we're, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, there wasn't there was a network moment in here for sure. There was Probably, a network moment kind of in there. Couple, like, yeah. what, what, and it was well done as well. Like that was yeah. good, yeah. It's like, yeah. okay, we're not gonna do this for comedy, play this one serious. And every time like you tell DiCaprio to do that, he can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had his like, he, was, he, was, he was almost the straight man all the way through. And Dave, you're right. He said Adams McKay has said multiple times now, if anyone is listening to him chit chat about this or write about this, that it started as a as a straight up metaphor for climate change. There was nothing yeah. else about it. It was going to have some other political undertones to it as all of his work does, but he really wanted to try to make, you know, an absurd allegory about climate change. And he just got handed all this other shit. So there are moments in here that are scarily mm. reminiscent of January 6th. I don't know, I don't know whether there are you've moments seen of like the Trump era politics and the way things got handled with social media and decision-making and the, uh, the lore that uh, Meryl Streep's president takes on in the eyes of her followers. We'll get into it for sure. What are you saying, Dave? I don't know whether you've seen, they've actually partnered with countersin.com. Uh, no. And we'll probably end up putting the the website in the, the banner as well, because it's uh, they're basically, the movie's partnering with them to promote climate change awareness and outline what you can do from where you are with your community. Good. To help. That's so like, I, I'm a big supporter of that. I like the climate, keeps me alive. That I've had a, a week where I had yeah. trouble breathing. I'd like to not fucking do that again. <laughs> Jeff, what do you think, so, man? I feel like, when did you watch so, it? When did you watch it, by the way? I watched it the day after Christmas, December 26th. Oh, Boxing day, as they as they say over across the As pond. they say. Yeah. I watched it the day after Christmas. Okay, so I feel like, you know in Gladiator, when Commodus like, sticks his hand out and he has his thumb like going to the side oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. he has to, he has to decide <laughs> he's kind of like waiting for the crowd to decide, like, is he going to let the gladiator live or is he going to make the other gladiator put him to death? Mm-hmm. And then of course in the movie, Russell Crowe refuses to put the, you know, that's part of the whole thing. He's like, I'm not going to put him to death. And Commodus is like, motherfucker disobeyed me. I feel like I'm Commodus with my thumb out to the side and I'm like, Uh, am i gonna go up am i gonna go down what am i gonna do and i think okay if this is an initial reactions takeaway from the film initial reaction takeaway which is what the segment is i would go thumbs up and i would say okay thumbs up i rewatched the movie today in 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 advance of this podcast and i i if it was a second take reaction this segment here i would probably go thumbs down okay Good. Well, so we're not have, big on the rewatchability. Have, uh, hey, man, we have some. I wanted to ask that question specifically. Now that one of us has actually rewatched it, I'm curious to talk about it because I did want to talk to you all about the, the possibility of rewatching this because some things did seem to <clears> land <throat> for me in a very entertaining way. And a lot of times for me, entertaining ways don't necessarily sustain rewatchabilities in the way that uh, I have seen a big short several what were times. You, what, you know, were you, so, what were you, enter- what were you entertained by? Because I didn't find this movie funny. Well, you know what? How about we. Uh, can we tell uh, 
Hey, viewers who haven't seen it yet, go fuck yourselves and come yeah, back after get, the yeah, spoilers. We, yeah, yeah. we gave it. This yeah. is pretty good. And also, just before yeah. they go, when you do watch it, watch it right to the end of the credits. There are two after credits. Two, two, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. We out here. And they're worth we it. out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that is funny. You're right. That was actually that was actually really funny. When Mark Rylance sure. is like, don't pet them. Okay. Oh, my God. Right, I believe it's called a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, spoilers, here we come. Here's your Go chance. Sign off don't if you don't want to be spoiled. Don't, I, I have a lot of friends that wanted it to be funny, and they didn't think it was funny, so therefore they thought it was boring. So go in knowing that it might not be as funny as The Big Short. Actually, I'm, it's oh, yeah. definitely not as funny as The Big Short. Go ahead. Bye. See you guys. Spoiler time. Bye now. All right. Spoilers. I'm, I'm happy. Um, I'm happy. I'm happy for you guys to prop this movie up. But this isn't. I, I completely disagree with the notion that this is divisive because of the political stuff. This is divisive because it's a satire that's, that isn't filmed like a satire. It's filmed very straightforward. Um, and as you, were, I'm glad you guys noticed. Dave noticed. They're like, oh. They weren't playing it for comedy. I really feel like Adam McKay wanted it to be funny. I feel like the quick edits at the end of scenes, there were a couple lines at the end of scenes that were almost like the Judd Apatow, like, just do something funny. I feel like Jonah Hill was like, had the burden of trying to keep the, the comedy in this movie going. And he really did succeed a couple times. The thing with the bag over Jennifer Lawrence's head, he's like, you know, the CIA doesn't do that. I, I told him to do See, that. See, that's so I, funny. All right. I look, thought that was look, funny. Look, uh... But like, but I, I really felt like they were... Because of the underlying thing. And to your point, John, I think they took on too many issues. I think they should have stuck to climate change. I'm sorry. I think Leo, um, Leo and Jennifer Lawrence were our surrogates. But like every good movie, they have their own stories. And their stories just fizzled for me. Like all of a sudden it was like, okay, so Leo's a surrogate for Fauci. And Jennifer Lawrence, I don't even know what she's a surrogate for. In fact, she doesn't even make sense. She's, she's the one who's famous for telling everybody they're going to die. And then she's working at a gas station. Like the person who knows you're going to die in a month probably shouldn't take a shitty job. You know, like little things like that are too nitpicky for this here movie podcast. But it's like their little stories just stop mattering anymore because the issue was bigger than their stories. And I, I feel like it could have been better. I feel like it could have been better if it was funnier. <laughs> and I'll give you a fun, I'll give you an example in a second. But if it was funnier and if their stories, whether we picked one rather than going back and forth between the two, and I, I, I don't know, that's what I think. Sure. <laughs> I don't want uh, to br bring the podcast down, but this is a 50 meta score and it's a 56% of tomatoes. So a lot of people mm. are, are iffy about this, even though the cast yeah. is amazing. And even though everybody should see this movie, it's a very important movie. I just think it could have been done better. I think. Um... I'm not surprised and I'm not going to be surprised that a lot of people feel that way about Adam McKay's work in general. I think sometimes, especially since he's made the big short, um, I don't, I, I think I'm, I'm enough of a fan to, I'm not saying I'm going to prop him up, but I'm enough of a fan to enjoy what he does. And I think some people got so wrapped up in the, the excellent, uh, the excellent cinematic quality of what the fuck happened in the financial breakdown of 2008, that his movie was a really big, it was really helpful for a lot of people to finally approach it. So he had that as a good like introduction to his more serious satires. Um, Cause even that one has, has elements of that. I wouldn't call that a straight comedy. It does. It also no, doesn't have right. as many absurdism tones that like this movie does, or even some advice has a lot of. Do you really, you really, really think this is, you really think this is absurdist? Cause I, I don't think they went very absurd. Like a comic coming to earth is very possible to me. And it so is, even some is. of, even some of the media elements that are absurd, it's hard to do a satire now because all of those things, again, very realistically could happen, or they are direct knockoffs of things <laughs> that did happen. So, so I, I again, I'm not missing the absurd. I think it worked with this. And Dave, I want to know if you, because you and I, since we both liked it, I'm yeah, curious. Yeah, fight for this, this movie, guys. Fight for this fucking movie. <laughs> I'm curious if this worked for you, because if I'm being totally honest, um, I'm a huge fan of Jonah Hill, but I don't think he was in the same movie as everybody else. And I, I know, fought, but he was in the right movie. <laughs> I, him I and Bill were in the right I, movie. I don't know if he was, to be honest with you. I felt like the thing that started to become clear to me was that I was never going to get a grip on the tone. And at first I was wrestling with it and I wasn't sure if it was working. And then it started to play into the, the meta observation of itself that even he is making a movie, which is technically media about how the media handles this kind of thing. So yeah. it kind of, I started to kind of embrace the chaos of tone and the chaos of cadence with the way they were editing certain things. You're totally right. There were definitely some, some moments where they clearly wanted it to be funny with the way they cut the end of certain lines and transitions into next scenes. But overall, I kind of gave up at a certain point, and that's when it really started to, to take on a very unique life for me. And the only times that I felt like I was interrupted by that was when something was 
supposed to be quote funny. Cause I feel like I that was, was every single scene. I feel like I, I that was know, every man. single scene. I feel like every scene ended with some weird gimmick cut edit. I feel like every scene was like, it was Oh shit, lot, we're supposed to be funny. I feel like the over the top kind of ridiculousness of, of, of all of it and the telling of it started to kind of turn into its, its own absurdity that I, I appreciated, and I did. I eventually oh, was like laughing more often, but I was usually not laughing at. You're right; they weren't the comedic jokes. I was laughing at the "Oh my god, that's exactly what would happen." I just felt like yeah. I kept saying that over and over and over again, and it you're, got me you're laughing, disgusted. but your eyes aren't smiling. Exactly, yeah, which is why at the end it's, of this, yeah. when he said, when Leonardo DiCaprio says, "We really did have everything, didn't we?" I was not laughing, and I loved yeah, totally. that he turned that on its head. He made me feel things in the last twenty or thirty minutes of this movie that I didn't know a comedy, a drama, a satire could really make me feel outside of the brilliant one. So I, I guess I'm not saying it is entirely as brilliant as some of the most effective ones, but the reason, I will at least say this, the reason Network is one of the greatest movies ever made is because of their ability to take satire into another thing by the end of it. The turn is so deep and so unsettling yeah. that by the end of that movie, you are scared. You're not laughing anymore at Network. And this movie didn't, you know, there are still comedic moments at the end of this, but similar to Network, it turned on its head and I was emotionally affected. And I was just very impressed overall by that achievement. I'm sorry, um, I know Dave needs to talk, but you keep saying it turned on its head. It was serious the whole time for me. So I don't know why you're saying like, oh, it turned when it got serious. It was serious from the very beginning when they discovered the comet and they're like, oh my we, God. Like, and then they go to the president's office and they're like, we need to I'll tell take, the president. Dave, why isn't the president? This, it was very serious. Dave, I'll pass this to you after this, but I guess I'll go back to my introduction when... <laughs> We have seen movies uh, that have a similar scene to the opening scene here. We've seen somebody discover something and be like, oh, shit. And, you know, we don't know if it's going to be more of an action comedy or more of a sincere apocalypse movie. But we have seen that, that scene before, so I still wasn't sure what it was trying to be. I knew he was trying to play into the sincerity of it. I thought that was where his humor was going to live with this one. But it, I think it was more emotional towards the end than it was at the beginning, so maybe emotional is a better word than yeah. Okay, than sincere or grounded. when they when they see the comet, that was the first like emotional thing when they when the like the world stopped and they said, <clears throat> "Okay, Dave, I, I, my lips are zipped. I got nothing to say." Dave, <laughs> no, I I think the the thing that hit home for me is they showed you something that you've never seen before in this. Yeah, and it's like I because I was sitting there and I was like, "Okay, this is ramping up. It's turning into an action movie. It's turning into like almost like an Armageddon type thing or whatever. Like something's going to happen and they're going to yeah. get out of it, and they don't. And the world ends. It's really funny when the missiles and come back the first time. It's everybody really dies. I mean, and that, that's not funny. It's it's not a Hollywood ending. It's not an ending you get away with. It's, Jesus, <laughs> it's it's but it's it's not the Hollywood ending. It's it's the like it's not what you get away with." ever in hollywood you can't kill off the entire human race that's a that's a huge downer and i that think filmed so well too God, i think it was, it was so, so good well. because they laid like they went through and you're so caught up in the ridiculousness of this cycle and we're used to a ridiculous cycle now um and you're so caught up in that spiral <laughs> and that spiral and then all of a sudden it settles down all of a sudden it suddenly becomes about the people who th these idiots making decisions in power have no nothing to do with just the people on the ground who are affected by the decisions they're making on their behalf. Yeah. And it became all about them sure. on the ground level. I just, part of me and thinks. And those people that die. Part of me thinks we yeah. all knew that that's what the movie was going to be about. So I was, I was hoping that there would be something more surprising than that. I think, I think we all knew that it was going to be about rich people and greed and money and, you know, that kind of thing. And hmm. it just, I, I it surprised, know. it surprised me that they went. Like with that ending. How did they do that ending? How long would it take you working on your own to do all of those different edits of the macro of the comet hitting the globe and rippling out through the atmosphere and then all of the shots of the shore and then this neighborhood and that neighborhood? On, like, on my laptop, <laughs> yeah. you look at it, eight months of render time just for the comet. <laughs> that oh, was yeah. Really, that was really good. That was really that well was nice. That was some epic sequence. That was really good. It was awesome. It really was. And let's shout but out But they also the, didn't um, go over the top with that as well. That was really that was perfectly like pulled done, back. Yeah. It focused more on the people. It's like you got the initial impact and then it's like, all right, let's focus on the people. Yeah. And let's shout Respect. out. Um, I think his name is Hank Corwin. He was the editor. He's done uh, some films with Terrence Malick. Tree of Life is one of my favorites. He did several of Adam McKay's films before this. Um, definitely, definitely a, a big legendary kind of um, natural born killers. Oh, yeah. I forgot that was his new world. Uh, Nixon. Anyway, he's, he's a he's been working with Adam McKay for a while and 
I think one thing that I, I have a friend, I won't say who they are, um, not a friend, but a person I know close who saw one of his movies recently for the first time, an Adam McKay film. Well, now they know you're not friends. <laughs> now we know. Now we know. They're not just friends. They're a person. What was it? They're a person. <laughs> I understand stylistically. Sure. I understand stylistically why just the telling could turn some people off. The, the actual storytelling with the style of editing, cadence, and the kind of the kind of in-between place that a lot of his performances in his movies sit. Some of them are dead fucking serious, like Christian Bale as Dick Cheney. And sometimes they're in the same movie with a with a Jonah Hill in this movie, and it doesn't feel like it. it's necessarily in the exact same world. I, I could see how that bothers some people. And just the writing in general, I could see, because you know, Adam McKay writes all these things, and by writing them, he writes a screenplay, and then he sits, as he does with all of his movies, he always has a God mic. And he's always prepared to feed actors lines to try to mix up some things and get improv going. So there's also this, you know, improvisational element to the way his stories are told that sometimes feels like it's it's kind of rescued by editing. And I could see how some of those things really just turn some people off. It doesn't watch none of these things watch like typical movies. Um, again, as soon as I allow myself to get past that, I usually have a good time. Um, but I, I guess I, I guess I'm going to make room for the fact that I wasn't expecting. If you didn't like The Big Short or Vice, you probably won't like this one. I'll, I'll de- yeah, I think fair. I feel good saying that. Um, I don't know if this one is going to win anybody over who does who has an issue with Adam McKay as a storyteller. They're, they're talking an Oscar campaign for this. That's even, what I'm Vi- you. even, said- even Vice, Vice was nominated for eight Oscars. So you know, even Vice was mm. polarizing and, and is very political. It was during Trump. So, but it's still got eight. So they're gonna they're gonna give uh, they're gonna go for actors for actors. Well, I mean, for yeah, sure. Netflix like, gonna go for Oscars just for the sake of. Oscars. Do they have they money will. to spend? Do you think? <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, look at that fucking cast. Does anybody Can care we- about the Oscars this year? I don't. Even, I can't even name five movies that are gonna be nominated. But anyway, oh, there, there was some, feel- there, yeah. <laughs> There was a great about the yeah, instances go, go, go. of like human behavior in there. Like Jeff mentioned earlier about like, why would this girl go and get a supermarket job? And it's, it's kind of like human behavior. It could behavior. be done well. Up, it could be done you, well. Yeah. But like you get up in the morning and you see an absolute disaster. And you just say, fuck it. Yeah. On TV. And you're like, all right, got to go to work. Now, the, I, Adam McKay and would it, have an answer to every single thing I'm saying. I know that for sure. So I could say something like what, what I thought the second time I was watching this is I was like, I wish rather than um, Leo being a surrogate for Dr. Fauci, I kind of wish he was a surrogate for Greta. And I wish they like they risked it being too crazy, like loud and being too like on the nose the whole time. But like, you know, he kind of deviated. Into the, and, and I know that there's a reason for it. And I bet you that reason was really touching for you you guys but it just started to lose me a little bit and i want to get back hmm. to the funny shit because there's some really really funny stuff i, I wonder, love mark rylance i wonder, was, I, I wonder so much... was she the allegory for um for greta they failed then fail i mean she yeah. had a couple moments of it but like she greta would have not Cause... taken her eye off the ball and gone and gotten a job at the gas station so it's again they, these people are surrogates for us and i wish they i wish they told their i wish they had a stronger story for leo and jennifer i mean not that the the, the things that happened to them were strong you know there's an affair and there's all those kinds of things um I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. It's. It's just. It's just. It kind of. Yeah. It. It bored, it bored, it bored me a little bit. It's too bad. I know, but there's so much good shit in it. There's so much really funny stuff. This is what I think the movie should have been the whole time for me. And I know you guys disagree. There's a scene. The, the montages were all great, by the way. The montages were great. Um, when like Ariana Grande is a punch in of like, guys, screw the manatees. It's all about the comet. Like things like that were really <laughs> funny for me. Uh, Leo is on. The this like Sesame Street knockoff for the second time. <laughs> the first time was pretty funny, but the second time, yeah, I wrote down the lines. The second time, this puppet goes, "Dr. Mindy, the plan is going to work, and we're all going to be okay, right?" Dr. Mindy, every single man, woman, and child on this planet is going to die. <laughs> a girl, <laughs> a child. I don't like him. He makes me sad. Dr. Mindy. I'm sorry about that. But kids, tell your president, tell your parents that President Orlean and Ishuel are sociopaths and fascists and literally yelling at children on a puppet show. <laughs> I thought it was so fucking funny. And I know you guys like the seriousness of this, but I think if that was more of this the movie, and I think the seriousness would have hit harder for me. That's what I, I think. My, one of my personal favorites was Ron Perlman's speech as he's lifting Again, off. Again, all these things. Like, I wish that was the <laughs> whole movie. All those I mean, white people I'm, down I'm, there. I'm, I'm <laughs> happy any time they let Ron Perlman off the chain with but, comedy, but yeah. damn. When, when Meryl Streep says, God, God bless all of the honorable people of my party, like, yeah. that's funny. 
But the first scene with See, the president where they're talking to her, it was like a 10 minute long scene. It was so long. And it was like, we know, we know the look, audience knows. All right, all right, look, I, 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 I'm going to push There's back a lot a of really subtle comedy in this though. I'm going to push back on that because I'm going to push back on that because I can't, this is just a John say pet peeve. I can't fucking stand it when people say sometimes comedy breaks through more than drama. Oh, come when on. You're laughing, when you're laughing the entire time, you take it seriously while you're in the theater. Or you, you laugh uh -oh, while you're in the mom theater. And, dad are fighting. and you think about it while you're in the theater. And then you walk away. And because there was so much lightness to it, your serious conversation, I, I just don't think These it, are black comedies. You used to be an actor. You used to study this. Black comedies are the most truthful of all storytelling genres. You know this. This is not- I'm just saying. I, I, don't know, I want man. it to be a I'm black comedy. I don't want it to be a lighthearted comedy. I want it to be a very black, dark, surreal comedy. And I think it would pack a deeper punch. I think that's the reason The Big Short works so well is because it had these higher moments of comedy that this movie didn't have. Oh, the best part in saying, The Big Short hate. is By when... making us laugh, you made us listen. That's the Jon Stewart quote. Come on. The best part of, uh, I think the, one of the strongest parts of the big short, I, I know what you're saying, like you got to earn the serious moments, but. Um, I guess you don't have to, but for a, a, a story that know, doesn't know man. its tone. I feel like, uh, I feel like there, I, I think for a movie like this, where he is so obviously trying to say, this is so serious that we need yeah. to be able to laugh about it. You can't be laughing most of the time. I think he, need, I think he was very intentionally trying to bounce back and forth so that people never got comfortable with it being a comedy. I don't think he wanted them to. And, and whether right. or not that worked for you, you know, is, is a different story. But I, I guess, I don't know. I think I would have gotten way less out of this if I was mostly mm. laughing at the, uh, at the disgusting sadness of the fact that we really would behave this way if things were happening. I, I, I feel like it went a different way for me. I feel like the, there was some comedy there. There was some subtle comedy there as well that I really enjoyed. Yeah. And there was like all these scenes that like you're, it's like a train wreck. It's like watching, you know, you're just going down, you can't take your eyes off it. And it's like, it just gets more and more ridiculous as you go. And then all of a sudden you get to that point of no return. You're like, and it, it dumps you straight into the drama and the solid dramatic performance at the end of it where there are no jokes and it just says yeah you laughed your way to this there are still jokes though i, I don't know i guess i'm gonna i'm gonna push back on that even like when mark rylance like says when he just <laughs> John doesn't want to have a single Mich friend by the end of this fucking no, podcast. Come on. when mark rylance walks out of the <laughs> mission control yeah drink that's funny like there's i think the funniest moments in this were look there are a few funny like when my when yeah, when Jonah Hill's like, out of time, my Molly, perfect. When he was like, yeah, when his was Molly was kicking it. Really sure, funny. Yeah. There are funny moments like that, but no offense, but like, that's cheap humor to me. Like, that that could have that could have taken place in any movie, a line like that. Yeah. No, I'm talking I'm talking about like when they settle down to the dinner scene and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, where it just, so just becomes about the the people that are affected by the the shenanigans that's just going on. That's super like dramatic, that's, but, that, but it's and but it is intercut with um with other parts of the you know, the, the presidency and the, everything, the way they're handling it. I just, I don't know. I guess I started to find myself laughing at the things that weren't obviously funny because it was a sick kind of laughter. I was like, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my God. Like the way people yeah, are reacting, too. it was, it, it was like, I wasn't happy about the fact that I was laughing. And of course hmm. that's the classic, you know, black comedy rule. You should be kind of like, uh, I'm glad we're all laughing because this is fucked up, but this was a different kind of fucked up because it's so close to home. This isn't the 2008 financial crisis. Where, again, I, I really do think we, we needed a good movie like that to kind of help us access it, unless you're a huge, you're extremely financially literate and you read The Big Short and a lot of other books like that. But um, that also, in a way, the financial crash was, was so, the application of it was so far away from most people that even if they were directly affected by it financially, they didn't even really know it. It mostly affected the stock market and people that were very much on top. And then the trickle down effects of it took place over years. We are now living in a time where climate change, it was fucking hotter in Alaska over the holiday than it was in Southern California. Hurricanes yep. are getting more real. We're seeing cancer statistics around certain cities that live on the coast, around industrial areas that can't be ignored. The waves are coming bigger and bigger. Hurricane season's longer and longer. It's something that's so in our face. A, snow, a so, snowstorm put out a wildfire today. Yeah, that was, I heard that too. Yeah, <laughs> fucking crazy. It's, it's so not funny anymore that I think he just very, he's, I think he's smarter than I am. He very conscientiously said, if I make people laugh about this most of the time, 
I think that might be the rudest thing I can do for making a subject matter, making subject matter like this. So I don't know. I just, I think I'm just going to disagree with you. No, I no, no, I agree with what you said there. I just, I just feel like it was, it was a case of like, there was a little point made to me personally when I was watching the film. It was like, yeah, you were laughing at all this stuff, but now look what's happened. Oh, I I agree with you, Dave. I'm agreeing, disagreeing with our, our other, our other host, Jeff. Who? You can't, just, you can't just buzz me for disagreeing with me. I didn't say anything. Yeah, we can. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm not even drinking beer because I have COVID. Get the fuck out. Or I think. I don't know. No, I hear you, man. I, I, I understand. I'm not, again, when I was watching it too, of Drink course, I was, I was thinking this movie is not going to do it for everybody. It's just too specific no, to the way he tells stories. Gonna bore people. Yeah. I think. I think. Let's talk about things. About. I think it's boring, man. I didn't think it was boring. I think. I just think. I think maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Well, tell me, the I crit- do want to ask you specifically. I made that comment, the rewatch no, wanna, thing. <laughs> we don't what have to keep you, out this out. No, come What's on. That? I'm curious. Let's try to make it more specific. Why did, what did you, what changed? You gave us the half thumbs up or the, you know, the neutral thumb for the first time. I guess I would have gone thumbs up. What very specifically in the rewatch were you like, oh, that doesn't work at all. And I was just being nice. Um. Well, I didn't. I don't hate, I didn't hate it the second time because there still are funny things. There's still really good things. I like Mark Rylance. I like Kate Blanchett and Tyler Perry outperforming that was on the page. I guess because th- their characters were intentionally on the nose, and I liked the the life that they gave them. So shout out to them. I love Timothy Chalamet both times. Surprisingly, I thought yeah. he was great when he, he t- is telling Jennifer Lawrence who doesn't want to talk to him. He's like, "You have to talk to us." He's got a picture of you on his fucking board, and this kid has a skateboard with her picture on it. And then he calls his friend. Really funny stuff. There's really really good stuff. Um, so you a wanted lot of this, a, a lot of. I, I wanted to, I wanted, you have, you have to have a good story. I talked about this with Psycho. Like, it's not about a guy running a motel, killing people. It's about a woman who hated her husband or boyfriend and was getting treated like shit at the job. So she stole money and she went on the run and it was a thriller. She did, she thought she was being followed. That's Psycho, not the stabber in the thing. Like, I, I don't want a comedy. I wanted this to be told in a certain way. And the tone was all over the place for me. Couldn't decide if it was going to be funny or not. And that's why I think that Jonah Hill was making these subtle things at the end, which didn't work for you. But I don't want him to be funnier. I wanted Leo and Jennifer Lawrence's characters to be funnier. And I think the actors wanted it too. Leo with his hyperventilating with the Xanax, hilarious, amazing. When he yeah. tells her, when she's reaching for the Xanax and he's like, no. But then like the scene where they're trying to tell the, pre- the president, it was like a 10 minute long scene. The, the, when Mark Rylance um, does his first presentation when, when he's with the ba- the bass bash yeah. the bash, bash life mm-hmm. thing and then <laughs> it basically is like a monitor that that sends you the right video or meme for your for your mood like if it finds out that you're sad and then it, it, they also will send you a therapist like that stuff's yeah. really funny and this is how the scene ends and i shit you not there's a, a like a dog on a on a bunny or something and it's a funny video and mark Rylance is laughing and some girl goes hey peter i can i ask you something and he says no and then the scene ends, but they don't even show Mark Ryland saying no, which would be funny. You're just looking at this girl's face and it's no. And I guess he's trying to make this point. Again, I know he has an answer to all of these things that I'm going to say. I guess he's trying to make the point like nobody gets input on this. We don't get a say. Like maybe that's what he, he's saying. But like, I just, um, I don't you, know. Maybe, like well, all of these have little seen, things. Have you seen Steve sad. Jobs? Have you seen the Steve Jobs I movie? I like Steve Jobs. Yeah. I, I feel like that was a little parallel there. Maybe. Like, with, between him and his daughter. Yeah. Maybe. Um. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to go through nitpicking this. I just think that it was. I, we know what the story was going to be. I, I think what I said about Leo and Jennifer Lawrence's stories, where Leo becomes Doctor Fauci, he becomes Anthony Fauci. What happens when all of a sudden a nobody uh, becomes a nobody who's important and smart and brilliant becomes a thought leader, somebody who's like has influence, and how does that affect you, and how does that change you? That's an interesting story. But he couldn't go well in on that because the other things were too big. So you have Meryl Streep and you have her campaigning and all of the rallies. You have Jennifer Lawrence's story. So then Leo's little story here just it didn't land for me. So then Jennifer Lawrence's story where she goes home and her parents don't want her, which was totally short shrifted. It's like, no, we want the jobs that the climate's going to. OK, that, fine. That was a little too rushed for me. That could have used more nuance. But we have too many things going on. So now all of a sudden she's working at a gas station. And it's like that one I, will give you. And I was like, OK, well. And then I, I just I felt like there was too much scattering going on. But then and there wouldn't it, have been a Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> You're right. Timothy Chalamet <laughs> saved that story. They're and you like, know what? How Again, do we get Timothy Chalamet in this movie? I, I'm not saying I'm not saying this movie. I'm not saying this movie is a zero. I'm saying somewhere around the midline is probably about where it is. I think it's very important. I love the subject matter. I just think the story could have been better. And the tone. I, I, I would have preferred 
I know you like the tone. I, I, it didn't, it didn't land for me in the same way. All right, we're we're arguing. I, I don't want to shit on this movie have a, anymore. We're did fucking positive podcast. Have a, have a, did you have a favorite performance? I think it's Timmy for me, but I don't know. Leo's Are you trying. Serious? Leo, Tim Tim has Leo like and Jennifer Lawrence in this movie. You're going to Leo and Jennifer Lawrence were working. They were working so hard. They wanted it so bad. They they really wanted this. Mark Rylands. Mm. There you no, go. Ah, Meryl Streep was great too. She really Meryl Streep. She, come on, oh, we're we gonna sleep on her. Yeah, she was the most probably the least really obviously perf- like. I think she just sunk into it so easily that it it was kind of like. I know she's not like movies don't aren't made the made the way they are anymore. Meryl Streep didn't sell this movie. I don't think anyone watched this movie because Meryl Streep was in it. But she's just still one of the greatest of all time. That was uh. That was pretty crazy watching her just very casually take on that role. Mm. I don't know. Uh, I think um, I think it was an interesting choice. Cinematographically, 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 (laughs) cinematographically to not uh, film them closer. I noticed that his uh, his camera stuff was still he obviously anyone who knows. you know, just from watching these things, you can tell, but you can definitely tell in the big short in his earlier movies, he likes to film with multiple cameras. He likes handheld. He likes moving around. Well, he didn't want to do that this time. Right. So he still had his improvisational stuff, but they were on sticks. They were on cranes. They were on steadies. They were doing things differently in this movie to try to have a little bit more of a dramatic tone. And mm. I thought it was interesting that while choosing to do that big picture, he didn't come in as close as often as I thought he would, which is a very typical way that you're going to try to cover more dramatic tone, more dramatic filmmaking styles. At some point, you're going to juxtapose between wider view storytelling and close-ups. It's just it, it's just a very typical way that we do these things. And I thought it was interesting that he stayed a lot of times in wider mediums, which is where comedy lives. So yeah. part of me was wondering if the way he covered this shortchanged himself a little bit. Because if he had gone in closer, mm. just a little bit more, sometime, I'm not going to say exactly when. I don't. I don't remember that well, but I do remember thinking there was. I kind of kept feeling myself. I was kind of scooting a little bit closer on the chair. There were some times that I just wanted to be a little bit more intimate with, you know, Leo, Jennifer Law, uh, Lawrence. You know, I mm. kind of was. I kind of felt a little bit of a distance from them. And I'm curious if some of this stuff would have worked itself out if he would have leaned into that or pulled back and. Let us sit back and not even try to make us think that we're supposed to come in close to them. I don't know, Dave. Did you feel that at all when you were thinking about the cinematography? A little bit, a little bit. Like there were there, there were times, like I, particularly towards the end of the movie, where he pushed in a lot. But it was it was definitely wide for certainly yeah. in like Oval Office and all those sort of scenes. It was yeah, yeah, definitely right back. You are and right because that's that. that's where like the, the more I think the more chaotic it was, the more back it got. Yeah, which is sometimes, again, there are times for that, sure. But in terms of like juxtaposition mm. between like, look at the mass, the mess of this chaos, and then you just go right in and you, you, you make it really specific with a character, Jeff, which maybe you're, maybe you're right. He wasn't, maybe there were times where they weren't thinking about what's happening to this person. Will that speak to what's happening around them? Maybe it was things like that. But Dave, you nailed it. What you said earlier, the effect, the emotional effect and storytelling effect that they achieved by the way they covered the dinner table scene at the end versus the the madness and the wide shots and mission control mm. was, was very, I, I, don't, I know it's not Apollo 13. I know it wasn't that sincere kind of movie, but I was invested. I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to get back to the dinner table because they are holding hands. The, the room is lit d- completely differently. They're talking to each other about nothing that really matters with story. It's just characters trying to to bond um, yeah, so I don't know. I did, I, I did cur- I was a little curious about that. I'm wondering if he, if he chose very consciously to, to try to make his, this movie feel different by not being handheld all the time while also trying to stay far enough away in, in case somebody did something funny, which I could see Adam McKay kind mm. of being in that place. Like, well, what if I have a funny idea and I tell him to say, I know, I know there is, there is one story <laughs> where they spent an entire day apparently and that oh, might be a slight exaggeration, but they spent an entire day with Jonah Hill just insulting Jennifer Lawrence. 
in different ridiculous. ways. I'm sure so they that had was a day a of that was great a day, according to her that was set. a day of filming. Yeah. I'm sure they had a great time on set. That was that did not land for me. I'm glad you thought that moment was funny, <laughs> Jeff, with the hood on the head and stuff. But every time Jonah Hill made a joke like that, I was like, somebody write him some lines. He's a wonderful actor. And there yeah. is a different movie where he's supposed to improv. Oh that my god! Much. One of the characters is underwritten. Bad. I'm so glad you're called, that. It's called uh, Twenty One Jump Street. Fucking hilarious! Those are the movies he needs to just be riffing for a day while they're, they're they filmed this on film, by the way. So fuck you, Jonah. Yes, they did. I can't believe they let yeah. them riff for a fucking day while they were filming on celluloid. It's a day's worth of Kodak Vision Three <laughs> that they just like threw in the bin, basically. But I did. I'm not glad. I wanted a little bit more. Not Moneyball. Not not Jonah Hill Moneyball. He's serious in that one. But something a little bit more structured. Not necessarily scripted, but a little more structured. I felt like every time we cut to him, it was just improv, and I, I kind of started to lose interest in his character because he wasn't moving the story forward at all. It was just comic relief. And every time he talked, I feel like they were taking something away from Meryl Streep's president. Yeah, which, that's that's fair. Which I don't know. I, I wasn't like passionately against it. He still made me laugh, but I couldn't stop thinking like, are they going to write a? They should write some lines for him that move the the story and the character forward, just so we'll know who he is. Although I, I will say, I loved the uh, his prayer for stuff. Come on, that was, that was yeah. good. I think they may have written that because that was pretty great. <laughs> that was pretty. That was funny. Dope apartments and sick watches. Like, come on, man. That was that was, that was pretty. Awesome. Good. <laughs> I like when he calls them all like fucking rednecks when they all start turning on him. <laughs> like, <you're> fucking... <laughs> oh. oh god, there's a lot of good stuff. Um, this is this is great. I don't want to say shitty things about this movie anymore. I want to talk about funny things I wanna, or fun things. I thought it was I thought it was great. Yeah, man. Let's keep talking about. Right, so, um, yeah. I think we've missed we a could... few people that we should talk about. How about? Um, wait, my goodness. How about this? How about this supreme? So, so, so the Rob reason Morgan? that they wait, the reason that they can't get a meeting right away with Meryl Streep, the president, they're literally sitting in like right oh, outside the Oval good, Office. Yeah. It's because a Supreme Court nominee has a has a problem, very Kavanaugh esque, right? And the Supreme Court, the, the nominee's issue is that he was in a soft core porn on cable TV, and they go through with the nomination. Like that's really good. They're basically that is like, really fuck good. you, everybody. We're going to get through this cowboy hat wearing Supreme Court nominee who did softcore porn. Like, it's so All funny. Right, I'm going to ask this question rhetorically because I feel like we can't avoid it. Do you it. hate when I mention funny things on this <laughs> No, no, no. It's a good point, but I am going to ask you, and I, I'm not expecting you to literally have an answer, but like, can you imagine being a director like Adam McKay and thinking like, I know how to write comedies. Like, before the Trump era, that would have been a joke. But it's not a yeah. joke anymore. Like, what do you do when the, you can't it's write this I, shit? I, I know. Satires are hard. <laughs> comedy writers everywhere were like, I could not have written that. Like, no one would have believed so I, it was, it was even relative. <laughs> let's say the Big Short was not a satire. It was very realistic, like almost documentary style. Let's say it's not a satire. What's the, what's the last great satire that you've seen? Film, not TV show, not skit. Like, what was the last great satire film? It's so hard it, to do. Yeah. It, the it ones is, that yeah. the ones that last are like Network and Doctor Strange Love, which could never have worked for this because they don't talk about the issue. You know what? <laughs> I, I promise I won't only quote their their interview, but uh, Adam McKay said that when he was talking to Barry. Barry was Barry Jenkins was like, "Have you did you watch anything to prepare for this?" And he said, "You know, the usual suspects, predominantly those two movies." And he said, oh, to "Barry Jenkins, he was like." You know what I realized when we were researching this? They really haven't made movies, that many movies about this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like there are a lot of the fun action, more action-y kind of apocalypse movies, but the really very specific end of day satire or or at least commentary on the, you know, the decline of society kind of satire, they really aren't that many movies. Yeah. So... I mean, Do you count the Edgar Wright movies? It, I guess they're not because they're all fiction. They're like very, very fiction. And they don't, like, would, I don't know if any of them would count. I don't think so. I think those are very, first of all, they're Edgar Wright movies. So they're, they're Edgar Wright yeah. movies. But, <laughs> but I mean, what are we talking about? Like the uh, end of the world? Um, tell me out. What's I the bar end. one? I would what's say the bar one? World's End. World's End. The World's End. I mean, maybe yeah. Hot so Fuzz is the it's closest such a to genre genre film, though. They're so, they're so rooted in yeah. genre that he's subverting that very specific kind of genre. So I don't know if I would call them satire. No, I wouldn't either. I was just trying to. Come no, I know what you mean. No. I know what you mean. We leave him for SNL. We basically say satire is an SNL thing, and then we move on. Which or TV, a lot of TV shows and was the head writer from, for yeah. for a lot of the yeah. late nineties, right? So, um, I, let's at least can we at least because I'm not I'm not coming after you, Jeff. But let's at least give it up to really fifty minutes give, in. I don't know. If come everybody on, let's would agree. at least go fuck, fuck you. Let's at least <laughs> give it up for for him trying to do it. It's it's very difficult. This movie's and so important. I said that very early on. This movie's very very important. I hope people do see it one time and don't rewatch it. <laughs> one time and don't and don't <laughs> rewatch it. Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, Dave, what Jeff, am I being a dick? Am I, am I, uh, I don't know. Ah, Jeff. Come on, what about the, what about, how funny was it? And Ariana Grande still has some acting work to do before she plays Glinda. God. Um, but how, how funny. Oh my God, is that happening? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cynthia Riva was a great choice. And then Ariana, you know, we'll see. She came from oh, Broadway. this is a positive film podcast. You guys I don't, yeah, don't I saw, make I saw me. I saw Hairspray Live, so she's, you know, anyway. But how funny was it when she is trying to get back Kid Cuddy, who's playing her boyfriend, on national TV, Kate Blanchett's character and Tyler Perry's character. And she's like, can I talk? I just want to talk directly to Chad. Chad is his name? Oh, shit, I can't remember his name. Chill? Some weird name. And she looks right at camera. And she's like, after many sleepless nights, three I've decided I want to take you back. <laughs> it's like really fucking funny. That could have I been funny. That was really right, funny. Jeff. That, that could have been funny. You don't think funny. that was funny? I thought that was funny. <laughs> the writing was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Just not for Jonah Hill's character. Okay. Uh, <laughs> How about this, though? I will, I will give it up to her for this. She Dave, might get win. in there. What if she you might, might, funny? Come on. She might win what? Best Song, you guys. That's almost I mean, it's a funny as song. As yeah, it was she's, a very good song. That was she's going to sing that song. at the Academy Awards. She might win Best Song. <laughs> I hope that she was, Yeah, I wanted to hear the I end did. of it. I, I haven't seen, cut, I haven't seen I something like that since Blame Canada. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> like, yes, yeah, yeah, good call, dude. Well done. I, I also, I also like that the movie's called Don't Look Up, but the song is called Just Look Up. <laughs> I Just like that. Up. I don't know why I like it. Yeah, we didn't talk about that directly. Not that we spend tons of time on it, but the evolution in that sequence, which was half montage. I guess it was mostly montage, but when they really start nailing home the 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 fight of the movements, look up, don't look up. I, I thought that was extremely well done. I thought the cutting of it was really effective. They got the point across in like less than six minutes. Like we were totally on board with how much energy had been put politically into both sides of this. The left, uh, DiCaprio and Oglethorpe and uh, what is his name, by the way? Rob Morgan. I thought he was good as uh, Dr. Oglethorpe from the... <laughs> From the uh, planetary defense division that actually exists. Oh, yeah, that yeah. really well done. That's very big. That was very that big. Was short. Funny. The planetary yeah. defense coordination office is a real place. This is, is their place. logo. This is, yeah. I thought that sequence was super efficient and effective. Yeah. Like that was that could have been very indicative and not exciting because lock her up. All these things that we've heard before that are these play on words and stuff. But they got it across, and I believed every fucking word. That one moment that I can't stop thinking about, it's just a tiny throwaway moment in the montage, is when Meryl Streep is walking around, looking down on the stage, just like with her yeah. head down, taking these yeah, big yeah, steps. I was like, geez, we, he, he did shit like that. Like, Yes, we've again, seen that. I, I wasn't really laughing. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, it was kind of gross. I had a little vomit in my throat through like mm-hmm. the last half of this movie. Yeah. yeah. Man. Anyway, clearly I enjoyed this right. one. <laughs> well, I, I, think we've, I think we've milked this. You think so? I think, I think we did so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody, everybody should definitely watch it. Draw your own conclusion. Yep. You know and, what? Let's yeah. give ourselves this one is for this is our first show back in the new year. This one's for all of us. All right. I, I don't know. It's not just for you, Dave. It's for everybody who's listened. For all the fans out there. You know what? We uh we fucking made it through two fucking years of a pandemic. We are still here. We're still doing the fucking podcast. People are still seeing seeing stuff. I cannot People are still believe getting we COVID. are two years into this. People are still getting COVID, including my co-host. I can't. I, just I don't cannot. know. I'll find out tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, me too. If I did, it wasn't in a theater. Well, Same. guys, we just had a big break. We took a week off. What you been fucking watching? Let's wrap this motherfucker up. Did anybody see anything of I feel notes? Like we've seen anything a lot. We mentioned. We got. Yeah, we have to decide what we can talk about and not. So, Dave, you go ahead. I, uh, God, I could fill a half hour with the shit I've been watching while I've been out of action. But, uh, actually, actually, uh, do you remember when we did our, uh, Army of the Dead episode? Sure. Yeah. I watched the prequel film, Army of Thieves. And what? Uh, There's a prequel to that? Yeah. It was, it was already written before they made Army of the Dead. It, it basically follows Dita, the, the, uh, safecracker and how he becomes who he is. Are you saying and they made this re- after Army of the Dead? Like yeah, they recently? made it. They made it after, but oh, it's actually a prequel. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, Army of Thieves. It's called. It's actually really good, and they don't use the same lenses they used for like Army of the Dead. So it's, in my opinion, a better film. I remember you had a bunch of because issues of the, with that. Oh, because of the lenses. Yeah, this this yeah. one looks nice and clean, and the like the guy who plays him is just phenomenal. It's a really it's a really good story. I like it. Nice, nice dude. Pr- Prime again. It's, it's like cute Army and fun. Uh, no, that one's on Netflix. Oh, cool. 
Should we, should Anything we just else? list the other movies you want to see? Yeah, yeah. What else have you seen, dude? I really just, I just didn't list see them. Much just throw them out there in case in case we want to <laughs> review some of them. Well, there there was some. Uh, I caught some TV series. Uh, I started watching Killing Eve. Oh, it's good. Oh, um, it's supposed to be great. I haven't seen it. So good. Yeah, yeah we're we're four episodes in now. It's we're hooked. Fucking chop away. It's um, so good. Yeah, and uh, I don't know whether you've ever seen it, but R.I.P.D. No. It's a Jeff Bridges, Ryan Reynolds film. Uh, he's basically a police officer who gets killed on duty <laughs> and gets uh, recruited by the Rest in Peace Department who f- goes and finds these people who don't pass on when they're dead, so they basically just hang around on Earth and cause fuckery. Is it a buddy and cop it's, movie? It's a, it is. It's absolutely <laughs> a buddy cop movie because Jeff Bridges is a lawman from the fucking 1800s. That's <laughs> good. And it, yeah, and it, so he's got the big mustache. He's got like he did he loses his hat and he's pissed. And it yeah, it's uh it's it's a really fun buddy cop movie. Um and it's a Dark Horse comic adaptation. And oh. I I could watch more of that. It was fun. It was Excellent. good fun. Hell yeah. Yeah. Nice. Jeff, anything anything? I watched I've watched a lot too. Um my grad school ended like right when you did the Spider Man episode was good, guys, but it was really good. I I didn't care about spoilers. Did cause... you watch it? Yep. No, I got COVID. I can't go to the theater. I, like, I, well, I, I finished, I finished grad school, ago. went on a family trip, got COVID. I think I did. I don't know if I did or not, but um, I, I feel like I'm going to have to wait till I can rent it, unfortunately. Um, I think we had a good chat. I had enjoyed that chat. It was great. You did a great job. Okay. Um, I saw Lost Daughter. I saw Matrix. I saw, I'm halfway through The Power of the Dog, which I'll probably finish in the next 24 hours. Um, I watched the Sex Lives of College Girls, which is Mindy Kaling show on HBO Max, and I started Station Eleven. Is that, that might be it? And then I watched some of the, and then I watched the Harry Potter reunion thing, and I watched a documentary called you, Jesus Camp. Are you saying you pressed play on a on a show titled The Sex Lives of College Girls because it's a Mindy Kaling project? Is that are you are you going on record saying that? Actually, or? no, that was a happy accident. <laughs> recommended recommended by my girlfriend because I watched the trailer and it, the trailer was cut it like old funny. people writing jokes for younger people. I thought so. I was like, okay, well, it's funny, but is it going to really feel like they're in college? Chloe watched the first episode. Said she's like, I think it's good. I think you're going to like it. And I was like, all nice. right. So I watched it, and you know what? I liked it. She's pretty Timothy talented. Chalamet's sister is in that. I, she has a name herself, which is um, she has a name. Pa- <laughs> I think Call it's Pauline. her by her name, Jeff. <laughs> Funny. Sorry, I think it's, it was right there. It was right there. I think it's Pauline Chalamet. Shit. Now, fuck. I'm gonna be pissed off. How um, are? Um, I was right. Pauline Chalamet. Uh, but she's great. Renee Rapp's in it. Um, Lost uh, Daughter, Power of the Dog, two great movies. I still need to see. <laughs> They are definitely going to be nominated, right? Those are serious dramas for yeah, probably in contention. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, I don't want to give anything away in case we end up talking about them on the pod, but I will say Olivia Coleman, she really is like one of the best actresses alive of right now. Time. And all, I don't know when, <laughs> and and this this is not a comedy in any way, shape or form. This is Maggie Gyllenhaal directed. Um, it's based on a book that's pretty serious. And it's funny when a novel is adapted to a movie and there's not a lot of dialogue. There are a lot of scenes that are very um subtextual where they don't say much and i love that when they can adapt a novel and and let the actors act so i'll just i'll leave it at that but olivia coleman man really wow she's awesome that's awesome dude i uh i really don't have anything to say because i was uh visiting with my girlfriend in a town with both of our families so we were pulled in all directions the entire time we only watched (laughs) two movies one of them was this and one of them was a night we were supposed to watch the matrix and they were like great we're gonna gear up we're gonna Let's let's watch yeah. all of them because some of them had not seen any of them. And I was like, oh, boy, that's probably not going to be super yeah. great. And I was nervous to recommend Matrix Resurrections anyway because I hadn't seen it yet. Yeah. We weren't <laughs> sure if it was going to be any good. So they ended up nixing that. And they were like, what what should we watch? We want to watch something that's like a, a dystopian thrillery kind of thing. And I was like, Children of Men. So we watched Children of Men. And Shit. Was, nice. Oh, good call. Yeah. Nice. Um, you'll you'll understand when you see it. But if they've, if they've seen the first Matrix movie, they've pretty much already seen yeah i mean i still do i really do want to smoke a big spliff and watch that movie but you are not alone everything you guys jokingly said to me before we press record other people have said to me as well so i don't know if i need to watch it but i want to to you know you should definitely watch it there's one or two things in it that are great yeah yeah yeah. some sequences are good they created a device where i feel like half the movie but it's probably less is keanu reeves watching clips of the first movie I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give it away, but they somehow figured out a device where Keanu Reeves' character, Neo, is watching himself in the first movie. Oh, my God. That's really funny. Yeah. 
That's really I was waiting funny. for him to morph into like Nicolas Cage. <laughs> so <laughs> funny. Okay, let's leave it. Let's end it there. Let's end it there, people. I Sounds hope you enjoyed good. our back Sounds and forth good. discussion. It was very uh, Mike and the Mad Dog for all my sports friends out there. Hey, um, come on. I'm glad we talked about it. I'm glad you opposed us because I, I know we are not alone. Hopefully we're a good representation. Dave of how loves it when feel. we oppose each other too, because then we just go at it the whole time and Dave's like, fuck, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. All right. Well again, see, again see you guys folks, for Doctor Strange. Check us out on uh Matt and Mark movie show. Give that give that show a listen. We're gonna be on there for this week's yeah. show. I don't know when theirs comes out, but at some point before next Sunday. All right. Wreaking Havoc. Yeah.